0: Welcome to Church Experience Online. We're so happy you joined us today. As you watch this teaching video, if you have any questions or need help getting connected, please don't hesitate to reach out by phone or email. Also, our website is the best place to go if you would like to access helpful Growth Step resources, join a serving team, connect in a life group, get your questions answered, or support this movement financially by giving online. At the end of this teaching video, you'll hear one of our Church Experience worship original songs. And we hope that gives you an opportunity to worship and reflect on what you learned. Thanks again for joining us at Church Experience Online.
1: You know, growth usually happens in a very progressive way, slowly and surely over time, year after year. You may not even realize that the growth is happening, but it's still happening. And you might not see it until you look back in the rearview mirror and you see how far that you've come. See, growth is usually progressive. However, sometimes there are key moments, catalytic moments that really launch you forward, that help you move faster. That, that launch you to the next level. These, these key moments of growth that happen in almost every area of life. You know, it happens relationally. Jennifer and I were, were dating. We were young and in love. We were in college. We are sitting down at a restaurant in downtown Indianapolis. She was about to fly home for a Christmas vacation. And I was going to go drive up to Michigan to see my family. And we're there over this dinner table. We're at this place called the Eagle's Nest. It's a restaurant on top of one of these skyscrapers, downtown Indy, and and it was so beautiful. You could look out and see the skyscrapers. You can see the the night sky and the lights shining. It was amazing. But right there in that moment, with the piano player playing on request and a nice meal in front of me and a beautiful girl across from me, there, there was a moment, a moment that really changed things. See, our relationship had been growing, but there was a moment there. Because in that moment, as we're dining together and we're saying our goodbyes, the first snowfall of the year came down. I mean, it was, a, it was an amazing moment. We looked out. We recognized what was happening. We looked into each other's eyes. And, and right there before we parted ways, it brought us together. It was a big moment in the early days of our relationship that we still talk about and we remembered for years afterward. You know, there was other moments in my life, too. I remember kneeling in the sand, in the white sands of Coronado Island, downtown San Diego, with a, a ring in my hand. And I remember asking my girlfriend if she would be my wife if she would commit the rest of her life to me. I don't know what she was thinking, but she said, yes, and I'm just thankful she did. It was an awesome moment. And then I, I remember another moment when a nurse handed me this, this little life, this newborn, put in my arms and said, here you go, dad. And I looked down and, and I'm not a guy to cry very often, but man, the tears just started pouring down my face. And I looked at this, this little guy, he's gonna be my son. And I couldn't believe it. You know, there, there's, there's moments in our life where things really change and they move forward. And although growth is typically very progressive and incremental, there's sometimes where things really move forward. And this was true in the early church too. It's true spiritually. See, they, they had been growing. A lot had happened. They had learned so much, they'd grown so much, but but there was this amazing moment where Peter was preaching. He was teaching people about Jesus Christ. And if you were to look in Acts chapter 2, verse 36, you see this moment. He says, Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. And the people heard this. Listen, it says they were cut to the heart. There's a spiritual moment, a spiritual awakening happening in that moment. Maybe, maybe today's your moment. They were, they were having this moment where they were cut to the heart. And, and, and Peter and the other apostles they said, brothers, what shall we do? What, what do we do now that we're having this, this moment? Peter replied, repent. Be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It says, you're in this moment. You're locked in. What you do next is you need to give your life to Jesus Christ. You need to turn from your sin. You need to receive him into your heart and be baptized. Make a public statement for what God is doing in your life as you're expressing being cut to the heart. Express that boldly to the world. and Be baptized. This is a huge moment. You know, in this moment, he says the Holy Spirit will, will come. This moment of salvation, when you receive God into your life, he deposits his Holy Spirit inside of you. And if You're not familiar with the Holy Spirit. It functions a lot like your, your conscience. He, he, he's inside of you to convict you of sin, to help you understand when, when you've got off track, to help encourage you, to help comfort you. The Holy Spirit is a guide in your life. And part of this salvation moment, this, this awakening that's happening spiritually Part of it is it's a transformation, an interior transformation. It's like if you've ever renovated your home before. Some of you have done an upgrade. Maybe you've changed the bathroom or the kitchen around. This is like a full interior renovation from from top to bottom. Pulling off the sheetrock off the walls, getting down to the, the studs, down to the baseboards. I mean, complete everything, full transformation. And this is what's happening in this moment. And it's a moment of salvation where we move from death to life. Many of you have experienced that. When you move from darkness to light, spiritually lost to found, where you move from dead to sin to alive in Christ. And they say, well, what should we do? And he says, well, in this moment, be baptized. You need to accept Jesus, and then you need to go and be baptized. Now, some of you have never been baptized. Maybe you have received Jesus Christ in your heart and life. Maybe you haven't even taken that step yet. And if you haven't, toward the end of this message today, I'm going to give you an opportunity to receive Christ in your life. But for those of you who have, that you haven't yet been baptized, this is something we're commanded to do in the Bible. We're commanded to be baptized. Baptism is a public statement of what's happened inside. As you have died with Christ, you've died to sin, and, and, and you've been resurrected. You've been resurrected into new life in Jesus. And here in the New Testament, in the, as the church is, is being launched, there's transformation happening. There's key moments happening. In fact, we're going to do a beach baptism Come up here in just a very short time out at Clearwater Beach. And if you've never been baptized, I hope you'll register on the response card in our services. Or you can go to the upcoming page of our website and sign up. And if you've never been baptized, it's an amazing experience. And I hope that you'll join us. We're also going to dedicate some kids and some parents on that day as well out at the beach. So either way, I hope you're there to celebrate the transformation that's happening. But, you know, really, that moment of transformation is not all I want to talk about today. Because the question I have for you is, have you ever known somebody who has given their life to Jesus? Maybe they've been walking with them for a long time. And even though they've changed spiritually, they still have a lot of really practical problems. And you're like, I don't understand. Like, why, why? Maybe this is you, and you're saying, why, why is it that even though I love Jesus and I've been changed on the inside, I, I still have problems figuring out how to raise my kids? And my relationships struggle sometimes. I'm I'm trying to figure out how to get out of credit card debt, or I have career problems. There's all these practical, real life problems that still exist in your life. Yet spiritually, you've been trained, you've been changed and transformed. So why is it that I still have problems in this world? Maybe it's that I just need to be more spiritual. Is that the answer? Maybe it is. You know, when you look at verses like Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. It makes you think that maybe the answer is, I just need to be more spiritual. And maybe that is the truth, and maybe that is the answer. Because Galatians 5.16 says, so, so I say walk by the Spirit. That Spirit that's been deposited in you if, you, if you walk by the Spirit, live in the Spirit, let that Spirit be your guide. Listen when the Holy Spirit convicts you. It says, so I say walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So tell so tell me if, if I don't want to gratify the desires of the flesh, if I don't want to go back to that life I've repented from, I don't want to go back to sin, I want to keep moving on this path of life, it says to walk in the Spirit. So maybe the answer is to be more spiritual. And, and some of us listening today, you might think that the answer to every one of your problems is to say a prayer and to become more spiritual. And in some ways, you are right. But in some ways, I would contend that there's, there's more that you might be missing, and, and what's behind that more that you need to know that we're going to talk about today as we talk about being a wisdom seeker, what's behind that might be the solution to some of your real-world problems. I've known a lot of people who are really spiritual, and they know a lot about Jesus, and they know a lot about the Bible, yet they still have a lot of real problems in their life that haven't been solved in the way that maybe they would imagine with another worship service or another prayer. Now... Before you make a judgment on that statement, let let me fully explain. Proverbs chapter 2. Proverbs chapter 2, there's an interesting verse. It's talking about a specific sin, but I want to use it to illustrate the the bigger issue. Proverbs chapter 2, verse 16. It says, Wisdom will save you also from the adulterous woman, from the wayward woman with her seductive words who has left the partner of her youth and ignored the covenant she made before God. Surely her house leads down to death and her paths to the spirits of the dead. But did you notice the beginning of what I just read? Wisdom will save you. Wisdom will save you from going down that path. It will save you from that sin of adultery. In this case, you can apply it to just about anything going on in your life that you struggle with. It's it's saying that there's... There's things that wisdom can offer you, and that wisdom can help you. Now we're going to talk in a minute. Where does wisdom come from, and what's behind that? But but let me let me go further down this road for a moment. See, I have, I have two mentors in my life that I re, that I equally respect and love. I've learned so much from them. I have a handful of mentors actually, but these two mentors I'm thinking of today. One of them approaches most problems from a very spiritual perspective. And usually when they're they're solving something they have their Bible in their hand and they have a prayer on their mind and they' they're approaching it from a very spiritual perspective another mentor of mine that I know that they approach things from a very practical standpoint and in almost every issue they're approaching from a very practical viewpoint how can I how can I figure out this problem how can I solve it what answers do I need what advice do I need to seek and they're always solving things from a very practical and I've always enjoyed knowing both of these godly men because both of them have had godly marriages, raised godly kids, they've built great ministries, they've, they've served the poor, they've expanded God's kingdom, lives have been changed through their life. I mean, they're exemplary people. They're amazing people with high character. They love Jesus. They have a great spiritual life personally. But one of them approaches things from a spiritual perspective first, and the other one a lot of times tends to approach things from a very practical standpoint. And, and my, my only point is this, is that sometimes there's a natural wiring where, where maybe you lean one way or the other on things. We need both of these things in our life. But if you're someone who approaches things primarily from a spiritual vantage point, I want to talk to you first. I'm going to talk to both of you today, but I'm going to talk to you first. And I want you to consider what is probably the biggest virus outside of sin itself. Wh- which one of the biggest viruses on planet Earth? Something that you can't diagnose in a test tube. Something that putting a mask or taking a vaccine won't protect you against. What is one of the biggest viruses on earth? Proverbs 19, verse 3. God's word says, a person's own folly leads to their ruin. Their own folly leads to their ruin. See, foolishness is that virus that I would contend is, is maybe some of our biggest problems. It's, it's foolishness. Because it's here, it says here that, that foolishness ruins our lives. It ruins our lives. And there's a lot of well-intentioned Christians who have great faith who've ruined their lives because they were foolish and they made foolish choices. We all, in some ways, have participated in that foolishness and sinfulness. Of course, the Bible says all have sinned and, and sin and foolishness are very, very similar and in a lot of ways also very unique. But foolishness, foolishness can unravel and destroy so many good things that God wants to build in your life. And what's the opposite of foolishness? It's wisdom. It's wisdom. And and wisdom is one of God's tools to help you live a fruitful and impacting and productive life that pleases him and benefits other people. Proverbs 16, 16 says, how much better to get wisdom than gold and to get insight rather than silver. How much better? And we have a lot of gold chasers in our culture today. A lot of people who think gold, more money will be the solution to all their problems. And money can fix a lot of practical problems in your life, but there's something better than that. And here the Bible says that it's so much better to get wisdom than to get gold. And so instead of being a gold chaser, I want to challenge you to be a wisdom seeker. And that's why I titled today's message is being a wisdom seeker. Because wisdom will change your life. And so the, the, the question is, where does wisdom come from? Because ultimately wisdom is a, a very spiritual thing. Look at Proverbs 3, verse 19 with me. Proverbs 3, verse 19. It says, By wisdom the Lord laid the earth's foundations. By understanding he set the heavens in place. It goes on and it talks about by his knowledge he made the watery depths and the clouds let drop their dew. And it describes that God applied wisdom, his wisdom, and that, that wisdom created the world. God created through that wisdom. See, God is the source of wisdom. Maybe you want to write that down today. God is the source of real wisdom. So let me talk to the real practical people in the room now. Kind <laughs> of talk to those of you who approach things more in a spiritual way. Those of you very practical natured, your your potential downfall could be that you think the answer to all your life is actually the wisdom that you can find in this world. And you can find God's wisdom in people that don't even follow God. Because God's wisdom is all over this world. God created the world by his wisdom, and people can stumble into all kinds of knowledge and information and and actually find wisdom, and and they can teach wisdom, and they can get worldly success through worldly wisdom that they have applied to their life, and and they they can stumble into even God's wisdom and, and get good results in this life. But the problem is that wisdom that you can find in this life, absent from God, will still lead to the same result that our world will get in the end. Because a sinful life, even if it's a good life on this earth and you're successful and you apply wisdom and you live a good life, and you, in fact, you live a great life and you have a good family and a good career and you, you make a lot of money and you're successful and accomplish a lot of goals, you still have to stand before the source of all wisdom one day. In fact, you have to kneel before the, the creator, the almighty God who made you. When you finish this life, the Bible tells us that you will stand before, you will give an account to a judge. And if you have not confessed your sin to him and repented and received him into your life and made Jesus the Lord of your life, if you've still been the God of your life, listen, you'll face the judgment of an all-powerful God. A God who does love you, but won't force you to spend heaven forever with him if you've rejected him in this life. See, God who's the source of wisdom is the one that we need to turn to for all wisdom. That doesn't mean we can't learn from people in this world, even people who don't know Jesus. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is don't be tricked if you're a practical person thinking the answer to all my problems is I just need to go learn some more information. I need to go find out some tips and some tricks because here, here's, here's the spiritual undertone of real wisdom. Psalm 14.1. The fool says in his heart there is no God. So really foolishness and lawlessness is, is rebellion against God because God's a God of order and a God that has established the law, it's his law. Proverbs 9, verse 10, on the other hand, says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So you can't really have true wisdom, godly wisdom, unless you have the foundation that's built on wisdom that comes from God. It says the fear of the Lord, this reverence, respect for who God is, I understand his place in the universe and I understand my place in the universe, that he's God and I'm not God. So the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. But it's good to seek wisdom. It's good to get answers. I remember as a young boy driving cross-country to California with my dad and asking so many questions on that drive. Uh, Just asking him there in the shotgun seat. Mom and the brothers are sleeping in the back saying, hey, Dad, you know, we're passing this dairy farm over here. How does it work to be a dairy farmer? Like, what do you... How do, you, how do you get the cows? And, and how, many, how many cows can one person take care of? And, and, and how, do they, how do they make money on that and sustain their farm? I'm just asking him questions about everything that we drive past. Wearing him out for hour after hour. And we're making some fun stops at the Grand Canyon, and some cool places. We're driving cross country, question after question. And I love asking my dad questions. I love, love learning from him. I've always been a question asker, and I love to learn from other people. I love to read. I love to, to listen to others, teach. I, I love to learn. In fact, my dad actually next week's going to be here, and I'm so excited because he's going to help me in part of the message, and for part of the message, I'm going to ask my dad to come up on stage, and we're going to sit down like I've done with him my whole life, and I'm just going to ask him some questions, and you get to pull up a seat and be a part of the conversation. I'm going to learn from him, and we're going to learn together. It's going to be really neat. Someone who's been a pastor of my whole life, someone I've learned so much from, a guy who has a lot of godly wisdom, and it's good to, to be a learner. It's good to be a question asker. It's, it's good to learn, but... Your learning can only go so far and help you so much if you don't understand what the source of all wisdom is. And the source of wisdom is God. Look at Proverbs, again, verse chap, uh, chapter 2, verse 6. It says, For the Lord gives wisdom, and from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. It's the Lord that gives wisdom. So if you want to become a wisdom seeker, the foundation I wanted to lay today is for you, you have to understand that that God is the source of wisdom. So if more wisdom will help me live a better life, if it will change some things for me, help me avoid certain sins in my life, help me rise above problems and get through issues and figure out relationships, things that, that God has is, is entrusted to me through his word, if God wants to help me with wisdom, then I have to know that where that wisdom comes from. It comes from his mouth. He's, he's the ultimate source of wisdom. And so how do you get that wisdom? Well, James chapter 1, verse 5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom... You should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. And it will be given to you. So it tells me I had to ask God. I had to seek wisdom in God. So here's a question I have for you in your teaching notes. Maybe you want to write this down today. question is, am I praying for and seeking wisdom? Am am I praying for and am am I seeking wisdom? Are you? Just think about that this week. Am I a wisdom seeker? It doesn't always come natural. But as you pray for it and you seek wisdom, things are going to start changing in your life. I love the idea of what Phil Lewis, who taught last Sunday, he did such a great job. And I love one of the things he said. He says, maturity, maturity and age often come together. So as you age, you often mature. But he says, sometimes age comes alone. <laughs> and, I, and I love that because just because you get older and because you have more experience, it doesn't mean you get more wisdom. You have to seek it. You have to reflect on your life. You have to learn. In fact, it was in Job chapter 12, verse 12, where God's word, it says, is not wisdom found among the aged? Does not long life bring understanding? Wisdom and understanding come with time, most often. But it doesn't come without you taking a good hard look at what you have learned, what you have experienced, and asking God for help. Seeking wisdom, seeking wisdom, you know your your life experiences are a lot like a computer, a computer that a, a programmer has programmed and, and they 've put all these instructions in the computer you know if this happens and this this key is hit, then then do this and if, and if this calculation happens then then print out this and and there 's all this stuff happening in the background of your of your computer that you don 't even see all this programming. if this happens, then do this and so when you enter some kind of a function into your computer, you click a button, a lot of other things happen because of what has already happened in the past. And the the best way I heard someone explain how decisions work in our life, it's like the sum total of all of our experience, all of our wisdom rolls up together in that moment of decision. And because of all the programming that's taken place, we act, we press that button, we make a decision that has real life results in our life that's backed by all that programming, all that wisdom that's been deposited. So it's to your benefit, not just to take the initial step of receiving Jesus into your life and making that life transformation decision inside, But to take a further step and say, God, I want to grow in wisdom. what does it look like to really be a wisdom seeker, to have your wisdom and how I should live life and raise my kids and, and how I can have a healthy marriage or a healthy relationship with others? God, help me know how to honor you and to avoid sin and how to live a productive life here on this earth and make a big difference and be wise in how I manage money and how I manage my body and health. God, give me wisdom. See, see, God's the source of all those things, and some people think it's enough just to have faith and just believe in Jesus. And although it only takes faith, it's by faith alone that we receive salvation, the free gift of God's grace. It's not by your works. It doesn't mean that your faith does not have built into it the expectation that you will take action. Read the book of James. Faith without works is dead. There's an expectation that we will be busy that we will be working to help others, that we will be working to build a better life. And wisdom is how that work that we do becomes more productive. So why does this all matter? Why does this all matter? I put it this way in your notes, that godly wisdom produces better decisions. It produces better decisions. And if you can start making some better decisions, I'm telling you, your life is going to get better. I don't care where you are and how good your life is or how terrible it is. Built upon, first and foremost, that relationship with Jesus when you've received him into your life, that's number one. You're not gonna get anywhere without that. But once you've done that, man, learning to make wiser decisions will transform and change your life. And part of that's looking back and saying, God, what, what decisions have you, or, or excuse me, what, what lessons have you taught me in the past Then I need to make sure that I really grab hold of? See, I, I have a, a very expensive possession a very expensive possession, I, I wouldn't part ways with it. I mean, you couldn't pay me, I don't, know, I don't know what amount of money you could offer to get me to part ways with this, I, I wouldn't. It's, it's more, value to, more valuable to me than almost any other earthly possession I have. Now, it's not actually worth a lot of money, it's, it's just a little list. It's a little list, but it's a list that I have paid for, for decades. I have paid for this, I have invested so much of my life into this list. It's the list of the life lessons that I have learned over time. Now, that list is not practically worth anything to another person, but to me it's worth so much because it's the hard-earned lessons of, of wow, I made some serious failure in that area, now I've learned something. And I wrote that down. I said, I want to make sure that I never, never go down that road again. I've learned a lesson there. or Or it's, the hard-fought education that I got through some experience in life, trying it a lot of different ways that were not the right way, and then finally figured out this is the way to do that thing, and, and writing that down and man, this is a life lesson I never want to forget. And I actually, now, you, you may have the same experience, but maybe you have or haven't written yours down, but I've actually written some of mine down. And for me, that's such a valuable possession for me to have that list to look back on regularly and say, here's some of the life lessons I've learned. And, and I just want to ask a question of you today. What lessons has God taught you? You wanna maximize your experience and your, your age, and you wanna pull some wisdom out of that, just, just ask that question, have I written down my life experience? What is it that I have learned that, that God has been teaching me, or what is God trying to teach me now? Maybe some of you are in the middle of a life lesson, but, but the reason why you can't get past the season you're in is because you haven't learned the lesson yet. And God's like, I'm gonna let you just exist right there until you learn this lesson. Because if I let you go forward and you don't learn this lesson, you're gonna get pulled right back here later on in your life. So good to, to learn godly wisdom. It changes your life. I heard someone say that there's an old person deep down inside of you that's depending on you to be wise. And that person's depending on you to be wise because 20 or 30 years from now, that person inside of you, that's, that's you, that's your future self. And they're depending on you to be wise and make wise choices now because it's gonna impact that future version of you. See, It's not just enough to seek wisdom itself. It's to seek the God behind the wisdom. Jim Hatcher said, wisdom is seeing and knowing and responding to life from God's point of view. That's the ultimate goal, that you can see life how God sees it. Because God, if you think about it, if he's the source of all wisdom, God created you, if he knows you, if he created the world, coming to know God personally and getting to know him better and knowing his wisdom and how to live life, there's nothing better than that in life. And so how do you get that wisdom? Brandon, as we wrap this message up, what are, what are the things I actually need to go and do if I want to be a wisdom seeker? How can I get more wisdom? I, I can get it that I need that in my life. I have faith. I believe that there's a God, but, but I want his wisdom. How do I do that? One is that you need to pray. We're told that if we pray and ask for wisdom, that God will give it to us. So we need to pray. And number two is, is we need to think through our life, our decisions, our time, our money, our choices. We need to... Think things through. See, Proverbs 14.8 says, the wisdom of the prudent is to give thought, is to give thought to their ways. So to think through your life, think through, because maybe there's a way that you could look at something right now in your life that would totally change things, but you've been looking at it the wrong way for so long that you can't see the right way. So it's it's praying and saying, God, help me see with your eyes. I wanna see my life through your eyes. But it's also thinking through, getting advice, seeking wisdom for how to live your life in a way that pleases God who gave you that life. One of the life group leaders in our church just told me this story recently that they were newly married and they were in their apartment one evening relaxing together and there was a knock at the door. And and a man showed up serving a subpoena to this couple and actually uh, serving the subpoena to the man. And he he said, hey, you're wanted on (laughs) felony fraud. And the wife of this newly married couple looked at him like, are you kidding me? And they looked at the paperwork and it had his first initial and last name and it was the right apartment complex. But thankfully as they looked closer, it was the wrong apartment. But there was actually someone with the same letter of their first name and the same last name living in the same apartment complex. And man, imagine what was going through the wife, what was going through her mind in that moment. (laughs) <laughs> Who did I marry? What, what did he not tell me? I mean, just imagine that moment. You see, there's always another way to look at something, even when you look at it on the surface. That right, right name, right apartment complex. There's actually something else going on here that you don't see if you just look at it on the surface level. And and if you'll take some time to seek God's wisdom for the problems in your life and say, God, I I don't know how to solve this. I don't know how to get around this. I keep getting tripped up by this. Give me better wisdom and you'll seek advice from other godly people in your life. God can help you, but you have to be a wisdom seeker. And third, finally, that's the point is you have to search it out. You have to search it out. You have to get aggressive in finding it and, and reading and evaluating and talking to other people, knocking on the door saying, help, God, I need your wisdom final verse I want to read to you about wisdom today it comes from Proverbs chapter four, and I want to leave you with this challenge. It's in verse six. It says, do not forsake wisdom and she will protect you. Love her and she will watch over you. The beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom. That's step one, is be a wisdom seeker. Get wisdom. Though it cost all you have, get understanding. Cherish her and she will exalt you. Embrace her and she will honor you. Wisdom is God's gift to his kids. It's his gift on how to live a life that pleases him and makes a difference and leads to the outcomes that you want in your life. Well, I believe one of the the rhythms that we have together that that helps all of us pursue wisdom and be wisdom seekers is what we do here every single weekend, every single Sunday when we gather together and worship and we open God's word and we seek his wisdom and how to live life, it changes us and it transforms us. So I wanna challenge you to to make this a non-negotiable part of your routine and say, I'm not gonna miss any week. I'm gonna be here and if, if I'm sick and I can't be present physically, I'm gonna be online, but I'm not gonna miss because seeking God's wisdom week after week Day by day, that's gonna be incremental growth. And you never know when that one day, that one Sunday, that one message, that one time in God's word is gonna be the day that's gonna be a catalytic moment to push you forward and help you get that wisdom that you needed to change everything. So I wanna challenge you to be a wisdom seeker. Be a wisdom seeker. Well, before we close in prayer, like I mentioned earlier, there's some of you that you've never taken the first step to give your life to Jesus Christ and to surrender your life to him. And you've been trying to find better ways to do life your your whole life. You've been trying to find answers, and you've been trying to look for ways to to figure out your problems on your own. But I'm telling you, the step that you need to take is not believing just in God generically. It's not going to a church service. It's not just praying. It's so much more than that. It's not being a religious person. It's it's surrendering your life to Jesus Christ, who was crucified on a cross for your sins 2,000 years ago and saying, Jesus, I'm guilty, I, I've, I have sinned, I've rebelled against God, I've tried to do things my own way, and I need your grace, I need your forgiveness in my life, and when you'll, when you'll ask him to forgive you, when you'll turn your life over to him, you say, God, I'm, it's not going to be about me anymore, about worshiping me, and living for me, for my glory, for my credit, it's going to be about you, so I surrender my life to you, I ask for your forgiveness, when you do that, you place your faith in him, he transforms you on the inside out, He puts sin to death, and you can Race, be raised to new life in Jesus Christ. And then you can go and be baptized and say, you know what? I'm ready to walk in this new life. I'm ready to tell the world that I've been changed and I'm a different person. And if that's you today and you'd like to take that step, when I, when I pray here in a minute, I'm going to give you the opportunity to pray and receive Jesus into your life so you can become not just a wisdom seeker, but someone who's passionately pursuing Jesus Christ as the center of your life. Right on? Right on. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much today that we've had the opportunity to gather together, even though we're scattered apart and many are worshiping in in their homes, they're worshiping in different places uh, far and wide. And and, and God, we're we're thankful that we can still gather together around your word, the, the thing that unites us, Jesus Christ. And I pray today, God, that anyone who's hearing this message who's not yet taken that step to surrender their life to you, that right now in this moment, they would do that, that they would genuinely turn their heart and their life over to you, that they give you a chance to lead. God, they know the emptiness of their own soul. They know the roads they've taken and the results that they've gotten. They know that that missing something that, that they go to sleep with at night, that they know that, that the life that they are living and the end of their life, it's not going to be enough, that there's got to be more. And Jesus, that more is you. And I pray that right now in this moment that they would see that. That what they need is not another solution, but they need a savior. And So God, before we can even ask for your wisdom and before we can talk about living a life filled with your wisdom, we have to talk about the source of wisdom and that's you. And so right now in this moment as we pray and and if you're in a position where you're ready to receive Jesus Christ into your heart and life, I wanna ask you right now to just, just pray these words after me. You can pray them in the stillness of your own heart Or you can pray them boldly out loud. But as long as you pray them genuinely, God will hear you. Just pray these words. Say, God in heaven, I'm a sinner in need of a savior. Please forgive me of all my sins. I receive you into my life. And I believe that Jesus is God. He died on the cross for my sins. And he rose from the grave. And I receive him to be my leader, to be my life. And as you continue praying, I just want to remind you what you've just done. You have received Jesus Christ to save you from your sins and he freely forgives you. It's not based on what you've done or not done. It's based on his gift of grace that you've received today. I want to encourage you to take the next step and let somebody know, but reach out to us. Let us know how we can help you get in God's word on a daily basis and start reading the Bible and start praying and seeking God and become a wisdom seeker it will transform and change your life. And God, that's what we ask for for all of us, that you help us to be wisdom seekers day in, day out, growing, learning what it looks like to follow you and what it looks like to walk in wisdom day after day. It's in Jesus' name we pray
0: and everyone said, amen. Thanks for joining us at Church Experience Online. Please don't forget to check out the website if you'd like to get more connected, learn more, get your questions answered, or support this movement financially. You're now going to hear a Church Experience Worship original song, and we hope this gives you an opportunity to worship and reflect on what you learned today.